This is Doris Gilman, editor and publisher of Health Thought Leaders' One Too Many blog and podcasts. I've changed the blog's name to reflect that individuals can extend his or her personal brand of thought leadership to many more interested viewers and listeners through blogging and podcasting. Feel free to adapt ways and means to implement a strategy and tactics that you can make your own. The posts and podcasts are intended to be evergreen without any expiration date. I'm president of Be Seen, Be Heard, Incorporated, helping health thought leaders express and find channels as speakers at industry and professional conferences. Speaker participation gives experts more opportunities to be one-to-many. Use speaking to further your company's marketing, business, and professional development. This podcast interview is titled, Uncovering Unconscious Bias to Better Serve Patients with Elizabeth Bolgiano, Executive Vice President of Human Resources at AMEG Pharmaceuticals. Based in Waltham, Massachusetts, the company develops and commercializes medications to treat unmet medical needs, including those for women's health. Elizabeth joined AMEG from Thermal Fisher Scientific as Senior Vice President of Human Resources and a member of the executive team. She served as the Chief Human Resources Officer at Smith & Nephew, the British medical device company, also as a human resources executive at pharmaceutical manufacturer Bristol-Myers Squibb. She holds a Master's of Business Administration and Bachelor of Arts degrees from Cornell University. AMEG is a pharmaceutical company that takes pride in its patient centricity. William Hyden, AMEG's Chief Executive Officer, champions its focus on patients as a core value. In its hiring process, AMEG Pharmaceuticals evaluates how well new hires will align with the company's culture and values. Welcome, Elizabeth, to Health Thought Leaders' One to Many blog, and recording a podcast about AMEG and how its culture and mission are reinforced by putting its values into action for patients. So I start with, what initiatives does the company take on behalf of patients to improve their health care experience? Thanks for the question, Doris. AMAG works closely and in close collaboration with a whole array of health care experts, provider organizations, and also advocacy groups to help address unmet patient needs, such as the need for broader condition awareness or patient support and education. And those things we find go beyond the therapies themselves. So, for example, uh, one of the things that we've announced recently was our Alliance for Advancing Women's Health. And in this case, AMAG convened a coalition of national experts and thought leaders to identify research and help us act to address some of the biggest barriers to advancing better patient-provider interactions on the topic of women's health, and in particular, women's sexual health, and thereby create a more sort of supportive, understanding environment in which women and providers both feel comfortable engaging in the conversation. AMEG recently held a company-wide workshop titled In Her Shoes to help employees better understand the patient journey. Can you talk to listeners about that workshop and why you decided to offer it to employees? I'd love to. One area of our focus at AMAG is women's health. Last year, we expanded our portfolio of therapies to include two 
that help address unmet needs, uh, in particular unmet health needs of women across a variety of life stages, including menopause. One therapy addresses a condition called dyspareunia due to menopause, which is really defined as the recurrent or persistent pain with sexual activity, so having pain during sex. There really are a lot of barriers to women or for women getting care for this condition. And all too often, there are also assumptions and stigmas that exist about women's health that create further roadblocks for patients. And they are things that they then have to overcome in order to find effective care. So what we've learned at AMAG is that it can be very uncomfortable for both the patient and the provider to talk about her sexual health. And that can often lead to women not seeking treatment for the symptoms and therefore not getting the issues addressed. So AMAG is quite committed to breaking down these barriers, and that starts with better understanding the challenges our patients face, recognizing our own and others' perceptions about some of those challenges. So we believe that we can have far-reaching benefits, not only for our patients and providers, but also for our workforce. So all of AMEG's leadership was committed to this workshop. We really saw it as an investment that helps us and helps our employees ultimately better serve our patients. And that's why we're here, is to serve our patients. So you can't shift cultural norms overnight, as you, as you well know. It's really a slow process, and it, we believe it has to start from within. So we wanted to create a safe and supportive environment in which women can effectively seek treatment for these conditions for, the, for sexual health, decided we should begin by educating ourselves about some of the implicit biases that hinder both diagnosis and access to care. So we hosted a half-day workshop, as you mentioned, called In Her Shoes, Understanding the Female Patient Experience. And the idea here was to foster deeper understanding and empathy for our patients. The workshop explored the biases that exist in accessing care for conditions like dyspareunia, as well as a personal exploration of some of the unconscious biases that we each hold on various issues. The forum really created and featured the stories of real women who are living with these conditions. They put a, a, a real face, a human face on these conditions, as well as having experts on recognizing and addressing unconscious bias speak to our employee population. We believe that by cultivating empathy for each other and for the individuals we serve, it really helps us become more conscious communicators and advocates for our patients. It also creates a ripple effect that extends to our interactions with patients, partners, and providers, and that fosters a culture of understanding that in turn drives better outcomes. So did your in-house workshop actually accomplish? It accomplished a number of things, Doris. In, in addition to 
sort of the immediate effect. So in the weeks immediately following the workshop, we had a lot of employees come and talk to us. They, they expressed surprise um, that, about the, their learnings and about the, the biases that, that they realize they carry. The forum also provided our workforce with a, a deeper understanding of what we've been trying to do as an organization and the barriers that we're trying to address. We also, it also helped us show that we go well beyond the products that we provide and that it's important for us to elevate education and enhance care for the patients we serve. So the In Her Shoes workshop made it a lot easier to talk about what our patients actually suffer or struggle with in regards to women's sexual health. It made it possible for us to use words and have conversations and talk about things in a much more comfortable and more sort of second nature way. Um, and that's critical, in particular, when we're trying to communicate with patients, providers, and ag advocacy groups, as well as just when we're trying to talk to each other about this stuff. We also, as an outcome of the workshop, developed a white paper for our employees. And this white paper outlines common assumptions often made about women and their health care needs. And it explores ways that each of us can contribute to breaking down barriers and help uh, extend that care for the patients we serve. It also offers tools and resources for our employees to use so that they can better understand and address these challenges directly. So we invested in some manager training tools in addition. And some of those include unconscious bias training on a go-forward basis, and we're looking forward to that in the coming year. Well, thank you for giving us um, information and insights from your In Her, In Her Shoes workshop. Now I'm going to ask you, um, how do insights from the In Her Shoes workshop translate into specific measures that can be taken with patients, physicians, and advocacy groups? We are, as a company, a very patient and value-centered organization. And we're really dedicated to improving the health of the people we serve. But it's a great question because it, you're really asking, what does that actually look like? In the uh, In Her Shoes forum, that was really less about training our employees about how to speak to providers, patients, and advocacy groups, and more about cultivating a culture of empathy. So our goal was to reach out or, across our organization to all different functions, including those that don't necessarily interact with the groups I just mentioned, but really through that reaching out, provide a more holistic picture of the company's work and what we do. So some of the unmet medical conditions we focus on can present challenges because they don't immediately spark a, a, a point of reference for individuals uh, in the organization because oftentimes, I mean, if you think about it, women in the organization might have some point of reference, but a lot of men have never experienced these particular conditions. So, for example, everyone knows somebody who's been affected by maybe heart disease or cancer, but how many of us really know of a woman who's been affected by dyspareunia? I mean, 
how many of us actually have even heard of the term dyspareunia before this this podcast. So the women who shared their story uh, in the In Her Shoes forum, they were so authentic. It really resonated with our employees and it provided them with a frame of reference on the condition. The takeaway message from the forum is that it ultimately brought to light a condition that is relatively unheard of and it helped to solicit that empathy we were looking for. The workshop also brought our company values to life and it engaged all of our people, all of our employees across the board. I think that when you can relate to the patient journey, you can empathize with what that person is experiencing, it really infuses in everything that you do at work. Well, thank you. Um, Now I'd like to ask you, when you came to AMEG, it had already established an open culture of trust. Do you know how that came to be and who encourages and nourishes the culture? It's a great question. I believe that when an organization has really strong leaders who are committed to the company's values and to its mission and committed to an open culture of trust, it comes naturally. It needs continuous nourishment, as you, as you implied, um, and I believe that starts with a positive intent. If employees and leaders you know, really demonstrate that mindset and they make the conscious decision to operate and to come from a place of positive intent, I think that builds and reinforces a culture of trust. Clearly, as the Chief Human Resources Officer, I get to bring in new talent on a regular basis, as does my team. And part of sustaining our culture happens during the interview process. Because part of the interview process is about fit and hiring people who are rooted in the same ideals and values as our organization. So having built a solid foundation of an open culture of trust, it really helps to make sure you continue to bring in the right people. Because if you go through that process of assessing folks using things like behavioral-based interviewing, you can quickly tell whether those individuals that you're looking at to bring into the organization, whether they're going to be the right fit culturally. With all that said, it it also takes effort to keep an open culture of trust alive and well in an organization. And my belief is that that really starts with strong leaders and individuals at the top of the organization approaching every issue, every challenge from a point of positive intent. Well, thank you. Increasingly with institutions, traditions, and norms under assault, what challenges are emerging that may change, enhance, or to its detriment affect your corporate culture? Well, I think we can all agree it's, uh, we're living in interesting times. I've been in, in HR and human resources long enough to know that there are always new challenges emerging whether it's uh, this century or the last one. One thing that AMAG does really well, which I think the In Her Shoes Forum reinforced, is our ability to, to begin the conversation, to have an open dialogue. And a culture of trust allows for that free discussion surrounding uncomfortable topics. It also creates and, and provides for us 
a level of agility in the organization so that we can evolve because culture is always evolving. As long as you're open to different viewpoints and grounded in a common set of values, I think that companies can adapt and then oftentimes adapt more easily to what's going on in the world around us and, uh, and the changes that we're seeing. So as a follow-up, how will your workplace adapt to meet these external challenges as a younger workforce replaces older workers who are assimilated to your current culture? I think it's more really about a way of working, regardless of whatever the particular challenges that is being uh, provided by the, the changing times. Much like in life, I don't think there's really one size that fits all for, for addressing a particular challenge or set of challenges. From my point of view, it really starts with living and breathing the company values, having that super positive mindset, and trying as best we all can to check our unconscious biases every day. I think if you trust others, the other folks you work with, and you come from a point of positive intent, and you're willing to get in a room and, and hash it out and have the dialogue, there's really not anything that's, uh, that can't be worked through. If, like AMAG, where I believe we've created an environment of trust and we have sort of the strong basic foundation, I think you're much more able to adapt and deal with all the different bumps in the road that, that come at you. At AMAG, we're not only working hard to establish a foundation of trust for our patients and providers, but we're also bringing these principles into our organization, into the company. We feel quite confident and, and, and hopeful for the road ahead, particular for the patients we serve and for, with, and for each other, really within the walls of our organization. Thank you, Elizabeth. This concludes Uncovering Unconscious Bias to Better Serve Patients with Elizabeth Bolgiano, Executive Vice President, AMAG Pharmaceuticals in Waltham, Massachusetts. I want to thank Ms. Bolgiano for giving listeners a window into AMAG's corporate culture that encourages open dialogue and allows unconscious biases to come into daylight. In turn, AMAG's culture, its mission and values translate into helping patients better understand their medical conditions as well as improve the physician-to-patient conversation. This is Doris Gilman, editor of Health Thought Leaders, one-to-many blog and podcasts. Please leave your comments about this and other podcasts on the blog at scene-herd.com backslash blog. Thank you for downloading and listening.